What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And before we jump into today's podcast, I'd love for you to check out my band, Run With It. That's at Run With It Band, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, all the places that you follow people at. You can also check out our EP that just dropped on Spotify, Apple Music, and all the streaming platforms. You can go to runwithitband.net and click on that and check it out runwithaband.net. And on today's podcast, we have Joshua Williams. Born and raised in the Midwest, Joshua Williams was formerly trained at the Conservatory of Music and Dance in Kansas City, Missouri. After touring internationally with different jazz legends such as Bobby Watson and others, Josh developed his own writing style and became a film composer, infusing a multitude of genres to create his own unique sound. XJ Will has worked with various different companies such as Lionsgate's Films, Ford, Verizon, Red Bull, and NASA in adding music to their mixed media projects, customizing each individual story being told through sound. And on today's podcast, he shares his story of how touring the world and playing live opened his eyes to the real music industry. And it was that revelation that propelled him into the music licensing world. There is a ton of practical tips and tools of the trade for musicians looking to make legit money with their original music. It's a great episode. Super helpful. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. So I'm originally from St. Louis, um, went through there, um, spent some time in Los Angeles and, um, was just like, why I, I, the internet, why am I, <laughs> so I moved back to KC and, uh, yeah. How long were you in LA? Maybe six months. Okay. So it was, was you just got a taste yeah. and you're like, I'm dipping out. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. What, uh, what year were you out there? um 2016 2016 okay yeah yeah and i i did my last tour right before the pandemic happened basically oh snap and I, I and i was out in la and i always i love california i love the west Coast. oh yeah i, I love oregon like seattle everything about it's it out there but being in la i texted my wife and I was like, yeah, I got to go, like, I think it was, like, 20 miles. And I put it into the GPS, and I texted her. I said, guess how long it's going to be? She's like, how like long? four like, hours. Two, yeah, it was, like, two hours because it was non – like, it wasn't, like, Jeez. a prime time. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, yeah, <laughs> what like, is going on? A, a good motorbike will do you well in in, uh, in L.A. Oh, man. that's a, I went to Rio once. And everyone had motorcycles and I was like, that looks like the way to go. Other than, mm -hmm. you know, you might be, you're basically taking your life in your own hands because right. they just made up lanes of traffic, which was insane. <laughs> but, and dude, so you were like touring all over doing the performance thing before, mm -hmm. obviously we're going to get into the licensing stuff, which is uh, a huge piece of what you're doing. Uh, totally. But so, yeah, like for you, you were on the road doing the, doing that musician life, right? Right, yeah. Uh, we had, we did some tours in Japan, um, did some stuff in France, um, UK. Where else did we go? We did one stint in Morocco. That was cool. That that um, sounds amazing. What else? Where else did we go? Do you smoke hookah in Morocco? That's what I gotta ask. <laughs> I wish we weren't there that long enough. <laughs> oh, I got you. <laughs> Pop in, do a show. <laughs> yeah, it was literally like, hey, you guys want to just out. I still have the goal of playing on every planet, or I mean, not planet, every, every uh, planet. Planet, hell yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, that was like a quick stint just to do it. Um, right. But let me see, where else did we go? Um, I think that was it. We, I mean, obviously there's Canada and Mexico, but like, those are a little easier to get to, especially from where we're at now. So, right. Like, um, my man, Japan, Morocco, my, my 10 year old, he, he wants to go to Japan. So, so bad. Like that's his dream. And he loves like anime. He loves like everything. Japanese oh yeah. Culture. Oh yeah. He'll have a time out there. Oh my God. Yeah. There's a uh, demon slayer is one that he's been introducing me to that. I, I've oh, kind of okay. gotten into. I'm learning. I don't know if you're an anime guy. I'm not, I'm just, I call myself an anime side. guy, but like I watch one punch man and dragon ball. That's pretty much okay. it. So like, the real anime fans are like, oh, he's not an anime. <laughs> right. That's why I always preface, like, my son's teaching me about it. So if I mention, like, 
Demon Slayer and maybe like he's still trying to teach me how to say all the characters' names. I, yeah. I'm not even going to try <laughs> at this point. But so for exactly. you as as like a kid, was that the dream for you? Was to what, be the, on the road play. playing like was that like uh, the pinnacle of the dream at that moment for you? Um, yeah, like in my late teenage years and like while I was in college, like it was like, yeah, this is the goal, like to travel and do the thing. Right. But like eventually what happened after I graduated and we were starting a tour um, while I was in school. But after I graduated, came back off of a tour and we went to one of my um one of the adjunct faculty members had a concert and we came through the support and stuff. And um, it was a benefit concert for his health insurance, I found out. So I was like, my whole life flashed before my eyes. And You're it was like, oh, just like, shit. yeah, like I don't want to be playing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with playing in your 50s. But like, what if I just want to stay home and like hang out with my grandchildren or something like right. late nights, tour dates and stuff like that? It's not always conducive for a family obviously like True. it depends on the relationship and you can make it work but like i just didn't want to <laughs> i looked at that was like nah <laughs> yeah it is it's a hard life i have four kids married yeah man like i can only imagine it's my wife's incredibly supportive like beyond belief supportive and it's hard for us so i yeah i could just imagine how hard that would be so you you caught a glimpse of like well and i think about like i hope i get to a point where it's like i can choose if exactly. i want to play you know what i'm saying like That's this sounds cool like saying. a really fun um a fun show let's mm -hmm. do this with my friends and like this fulfills for... my artistic needs exactly and i have the choice instead of like oh man i have to do this gig because i gotta pay rent or whatever you know what i'm saying yeah, and you got so you caught that glimpse really early on uh to say basically i wish i could have like got it sooner. like i don't want to do that you wish you kind of got it sooner right yeah because <laughs> now i'm, I'm 32 and uh yeah if i would have caught this maybe four years earlier like it would the results hopefully would have been insane but like um yeah i i got into so i first caught it after that but i was still playing we had gigs for like the next month or two and okay. so what i started doing um with shades of jade i was like yo like everybody we're gonna play originals from now on and they were, at first I got a little kickback, like, what do you mean? Like, obviously, like, covers is how we get into bigger venues because that's what people right. like familiarity. And I was like, that's cool, but like, just trust me. And so we started playing originals more often. And all of a sudden we started getting checks from our PROs because we were performing our own music. So we'd get a royalty for it when we played publicly. Okay. So like, I feel like well, I should have a notepad right now. This is yeah, <laughs> bro. Publishing that, and that's what started me down the rabbit hole. Is that like most successful musicians and artists um, that don't tour as much anymore? Like they still make uh, passive income through royalties. Right. And so I was like, how can we do that? Because obviously, like, we didn't have a frontman singer at first, so like, it was harder for us to get popularity or whatever, just because it's not as playing instrumental music's great, but like, it just it's not it's not mainstream. So like um it's its, it's, its own niche yeah thing. yeah of course and that's fine like there's plenty of uh great instrumental bands like animals as leaders and like there's a ton of them but anyways um what happened um after that first royalty check we were like yo like this might be a good idea to start doing and so um <laughs> you're like see see yeah trust me. <laughs> so um we that's how i got into production and um, doing things because eventually like as we've gotten to our like mid to late 20s everybody's in a pivot point like either uh, guys and gals are having kids or getting married or want to relocate just because of jobs and stuff like that so like right that's when everybody started to get into production and um, yeah so it was basically me getting into um, trying to figure out how to make a passive income for my music that I've already written that um that kind of stuff came not mechanical royalties because i mean spotify streams suck it's yeah. the publishing royalties that you want that's amazing now for you was it just research on your own were there people in your life that were were pouring that mentality into you as far as like looking for the publishing royalties and educating um, you on that i don't think there was anybody directly in particular one of my one of my hugest uh influences in music in general is Quincy Jones because mm -hmm. a because he, he first was a trumpet player and b because he, he wrote Thriller right so right. like um 
going watching his career i'm like why like he hasn't obviously played anything in forever but like production and then michael jackson probably will be played until the end of human existence so like exactly he's getting royalty checks for that forever and that was like <laughs> i don't know if i should say this but like one of my when i was a kid when i say kid like 25 i was like how does he have all these kids and like it still does music it didn't make sense to me and so like that's <laughs> what i was like paid the their bus. bills exactly mm-hmm. and so like that's that's when i that's when it clicked for me um i've always been an entrepreneur since i was like a kid like right um i used to sell comic book drawings when i was in third grade uh, awesome. to get because i could when i was growing up uh we we couldn't afford lunch lunchables as kids because there was i had three brothers and we ate like grown men already so right. um i got get, like boys, the, so i know that life. yeah like it's, so it was constant. just it's hard to like have sack lunches for everybody um so we <laughs> ate school lunch but i was like no no i want those lunchables and so i started like i found other ways to get uh like small change and stuff so i can afford bringing lunchables to school so that's like, awesome so you're kind of hand drawing you were drawing the comic book characters yourself and then selling. Yeah. And just, and kids would buy them for like 25, 35, 50 cents. And like, eventually (laughs) I turned it into like a conglomerate because like (laughs) we start, so I started first, it was like comic book characters. And then we started making our own comics, but then I got in trouble because I'm obviously drawing at school when I should be paying attention. And so like, so I pay attention because you're, you're started a business creating your own thing. (laughs) (laughs) And somehow like I got other kids involved. So like everybody was writing on it. So like I could still like pay attention in school. So like we shared the <laughs> workload and like, it was wild, man. Like, Oh geez. So like, it's amazing. I've always been an entrepreneur, just trying to figure out ways to, um, ways to use the art that I like to do um, yeah. to not just be compensated for it, but just like to make a living. That's all, that's all it is. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to do that. And now, I'm into the phase of like, okay, retirement, health insurance, as I get older, like it becomes more important. And so like, yeah, it's all the non sexy stuff that when you're early twenties and music and it's, it's like this, this dream of like a romantic dream of touring the clubs and the green rooms and the, but then, yeah, like you said, then you're like, shit what what happens if i get sick or like like last yeah. year i put myself <laughs> in the hospital sick. and it's like oh damn you know it's like if you didn't like luckily i did have health insurance finally uh but it was mm-hmm. like one of those places where if this was just a few years back i would have been fucked you know yep. and it's like all that non-sexy stuff comes to a head at some point you know totally. and dude that's really cool because uh you know the book rich dad poor dad or if you remember mm-hmm. that uh do you remember like buying the, assets versus um liabilities and stuff like that yeah exactly do you when you're reading that i'm assuming you read it, it sounds like you know the the premise of it um in the beginning where he's talking about the first business that him and his friend started mm-hmm. was with the comic books they got the comic books for free because they were like thrown out and then they're renting them basically for yep. people to come in and so that makes me like, think of like you drawing those characters yeah, yeah blockbuster of of comic books and then they exactly. hired their sister to take care of it so they didn't have to be there <laughs> yep you build the business and then you get away from it as much as possible for your That's time it. back. Absolutely, man. The are are you familiar with Emith at all? Or Emith? Um, the name of the author. It sounds really familiar. Is that it's, it's not that's not the four hour work week. That's the one where it talks about um No, that's uh, oh, that's Tim Ferriss. Entrepreneur. That's Tim Ferriss. I'm thinking of the one where it says like the entrepreneur, the uh the um manager. There's like four different yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one's square. Cool. And like you're talking about, because I, I think I always had that perspective because I, I love the idea of business and entrepreneurship, but I was always into like, I would do like landscaping or roofing. It's like, like finally I had to learn how to lift myself out of the business. And you run like, yourself ragged. Yeah. And those moments yep. where I'm like, oh, I'm making money and I'm sitting here having lunch with my family that, you know, that's a, a nice, a nice place to be. So, oh, yeah. um, it sounds like that was just kind of a natural ingrained thing for you, if I'm not mistaken. Like you're just there in third grade. Is that or did you have someone in your life, a dad, a mom, or my dad was, was an entrepreneur to a certain degree because um he was a sheet metal worker. And um okay. what normally happened during the not off seasons, but there would be cold seasons. So like normally in the wintertime, he'd get laid off. And so like 
in order to make sure there was still some income, he had a, a lawn cutting and it evolved into like a tree removal service. And nice. as the oldest, like <laughs> I woke up with them because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't watch Saturday morning cartoons. I had to be up cutting trees with him. And so <laughs> uh, I, I, I learned very, very early on, like, Hey, like, this is basically what you do as far as like, if, you, if you're out of work, you got to go make some. That's you know what I mean? Cool. That's um my, my father was similar where he was police officer. Um, and then he, they would have like their way their shifts worked. He would have several days off and he started a painting company and I wanted a skateboard. That was my first like taste of learning, like how to save up money and work in, but then always seeing you want a skateboard was the motivation. Yeah, it was a, I wanted awesome. a Tony Hawk board at the time. I was super into, you know, power Peralta. Oh yeah. I think trucks, if I'm not mistaken, roach wheels. Like I had all, I was super into it at the time. And oh, yeah. uh, I worked all summer to buy that damn thing. And then I think mm-hmm. I skated for like another six months. But <laughs> but it was so valuable to see him like he was always starting something. You should have you know? to earn it. Yeah. It, and I th- I'm very grateful. I was asked during an interview one time with the band where like where the entrepreneurship came from. And I actually it was during that interview where I learned like out loud as I was processing. It's like, well, shit, like oh, I got yeah. a glimpse. I think it's such a powerful thing when when people come in your lives, a parent or, you know, family member, friend can can distill that you know Mm -hmm. into you and just it's a mindset yeah and like for you does that you know i'm kind of jumping around here but you know for the listener your tiktok is just is killer and it's so (laughs) you're very entertaining but it's also just very succinct information that people like i don't know it's just very helpful and so is that a seeing how like your dad you know invited Mm -hmm. you into that is that a motivator for you to invite other people into this world that you've learned in the licensing and publishing? Um, I just like teaching, honestly, like, yeah. and it's a challenge for me. And it's this, this is a bit selfish, but the coolest thing about TikTok is that it challenges me to explain something very complex within 15 seconds so that a four-year-old can understand it. Right. If I can do that, then I, it gives me the confidence to know that like, Hey, I actually know what I'm talking about. You know what right. I'm saying? So like, um, I've been I've been teaching trumpet since I was like 16 to like even younger kids or whatever. So like I've always enjoyed like the process of learning and uh, sharing information. So like I first started with TikTok with just sharing production tips because like as I got further into stuff, I figured like what kind of content could I talk about that I do on a regular basis so I'm not spending too much time doing other things. Right. And like that was that was it. Like I made a circle of fifths color-coded thing for like a bunch of producers that don't understand a lot of music theory and right. that went super viral and then they started asking me what other thing can you do to make a living and i was like oh i'm actually in sync and that kind of it took off from there people are like what you're yeah you make, exactly you make how much doing yeah doing what <laughs> well and that's what i i keep processing as we're moving forward as a band it's like oh yeah uh, one, one thing i've said you know to myself is like i know i'm willing to do anything but sometimes that gets my ass in trouble. It's like, are, am I willing to do the right things? You know, and mm-hmm. ask myself as I get older and time's limited, blah, blah, blah. You know, what are the right things to focus? What's going to yield the, the biggest return and therefore accomplish my ultimate goals? You know, mm-hmm. and that's where licensing kind of like, it just finally hit me. I ended up getting a course uh, last fall is the Michael Elsner uh, oh, nice. Of course, if you're familiar with that and yeah. going through that, I actually just uh, last week just submitted my first thing to a documentary um, uh-huh. used, and I w- literally went step by step. Now, it's, it is a personal contact in a documentary I believe in. So I, I actually offered it to him. So I'm trying to get into this world. So to mm-hmm. learn it, uh, you know, I'd love to pitch this to you and see. Oh, yeah, man. Your, get those IMDb credits. Yeah. Hell yeah. And that's why I figured get something on the on there. Um, but like, like I said, I'm just scratching the surface of it. But for you, what did it look like, that learning process? Like, did you buy a course? Did you just start digging in, like, every little thing you could find on YouTube? What, what did that look like to learn the licensing world after you realized, oh, shit, I want health insurance. And the road I'm on is not quite the road I want to be on. Um, it was a huge process of trial and error, to be okay. honest. Because at first, my wife actually suggested um, – uh, making, cause I was trying to work with artists and stuff and artists don't have big budgets. So like, I can't make a living off of that. And I was mm-hmm. still working at my second or my first job, not my second job. Um, and so like, I was really frustrated cause I was trying to learn how to produce. 
I was also trying to figure out how to make money off of this because like I'm investing a lot of time in learning it. And what happened, uh, I got into like making music for podcasters and like small like indie films. But like when I, by the time I, that was 2017. So I'd already been back in KC and like, um, there's not as big of a budget for that because we're not in the film capital of the world, right? So like- <laughs> Right, there, there's not They many, might have like a hundred, two hundred bucks. <laughs> Yeah, like, but like, I can't, again, I can't pay bills and I'm doing all this extra stuff. So, um, and then the gear involved in making sure that you have high quality production is like, mm. it doesn't match up as far right. as what, what you're getting paid back. So, um, that's when my wife was like, why don't you just make stuff for like commercials? And I was, at first I was like, man, I don't want to write jingles. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm an artiste. Like, I'm supposed <laughs> to do all this fancy stuff as a jazz musician. Doing like the next pizza shuttle, you know. Yeah, like... <laughs> But like, so I got into stock music and I was like, this isn't enough. Like, it's, it's cool. Now, but stock like, music, is that like a music bed and that kind of stuff? Stock music is like Pond 5. So like, Pond, okay, I'm not familiar with Pond that. 5, Shutterstock, like it's, oh, okay. it's for, I guess music bed could count. I call, I count music bed as like micro sync licensing because like they do do stuff for filmmakers, but like they actually make sure that you're getting a premium music and B you're paying a bit more of a premium price for it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like uh, Epidemic Sound or Audio Jungle, that's stock music to me. Um, so like the budgets are normally way smaller, but you might get more placements to kind of even it out. So but it's when I got into like that point. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, eh, volume's good because I mean, it, it. I'm just they're paying. It's almost like them paying you to put your reps in basically to get better at practice production practicing whatever getting paid um, to put your reps in is not too bad of a, a deal though. no that it's is. not but like i mean <laughs> as a musician like that's why we charge so much is because like you're paying for my skills that i've worked on for the last 10 years you right. know what i'm saying so like Absolutely. i mean that wasn't paid practice was always something that i was into uh even as as a kid uh doing stuff in bands like yeah we'll play here like every sunday for like 400 500 bucks for the band because like we're just we're just playing tunes, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's how I like. I had a gig, a solo gig last night, where it's like it was more of a background thing. So I like mm -hmm. threw some yeah, threw practice. something on a loop, and I was like, "Let's try some weird shit out." Okay. Yep. <laughs> Here we exactly. Go. Absolutely. Exactly. So, um, yeah, from there, um, I got into I don't know why they let me in, but I got into a production library. Um, that's nice. when I started. Like, and then again, a bunch of YouTube searches that never worked. I hated searching on YouTube because like, it's great. But one of the reasons why I focus more on TikTok with my education stuff is because like you'll search an hour for an eight minute video for a 20 second answer from what you're looking for. Yeah, you know sometimes what I'm saying? that drives me nuts with YouTube. Yeah. Like, I just need to know how to fix this little thing right here. That's it's it. just right here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so like, that's why I like TikTok because it's like, information value right there in front of you you waste 15 seconds of your life and now like you have this whole new world you can get into right hmm. so um i really didn't like that and so after i started making placements myself i made a course um for helping other musicians and stuff as well just so that like there's a lot of information out there and some of it can steer you in the wrong direction like it took me a year and a half to get my first placement and um I can hear that listeners that time down now. a year and a half. Yeah. But you go to your thing. Yeah. And um, so like when I first when I got my first placement with Taco Bell, it was like ten thousand dollars. And like it was only 30 seconds. And so from that that point, I was like, yo, I'm not doing anything else. I gotta figure out how to multiply and make this work again. Mm -hmm. And so like studying the 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 arrangement, um, mixing, mastering, um, the, the arrangement is the hugest thing. Uh, but just like kind of understanding how the industry works from there, like it was like that everything changed. That's amazing. And then doing like care, case studies, like some of the artists that you might love and like really jam to, they blew up because of sync licensing. Like I always talk about Lizzo, like she blew up because of like two different placements that she got. One was in a Netflix show and the other one was like, um, I think she was in barbershop like and it wasn't like it was like radio tones like you can only you can barely hear it and like everybody shazammed it. it and then tiktok got a hold of it and she blew up right um same with like uh fun or um aloe black was huge in a gatorade commercial and that like really? through his career for a loop Vin, uh, vince staples same thing happened to him See, he got into a video that. game 
Um, and um, then all of a sudden, two years goes by, and now he's got credits in like Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. So like Jeez. stuff like that, like. Well, it's and that's eye opening, kind of like you said, getting paid for the reps, you know, and like we're we're trying to learn TikTok right now and and understand that idiom uh, for us. But it's sometimes it seems like musicians are almost so desperate to, like, play this algorithm game that I'm the chance and the hope that maybe someone will pick it up. But then you're spending so much time and resources on it. Mm -hmm. um, where again, getting paid for the reps, like here, here's another avenue instead of playing the algorithm game, you're you don't out, have to be you're out to make there. A living. Yeah. And you're doing, so you're making a living and then you also still have the potential that if someone's really liking it, it could pop off. You don't even know. So yeah. man, that's, I love it. I love it. That's why it's such an exciting thing. And it's funny because I, I don't know back to algorithms. It's probably because of algorithms that I see so much stuff on, on licensing now, but in reality, the more I talk to, the more I talk to other musicians, it's still not a world a lot of musicians are in. Do you, do you yeah. find it? Do you find a lot of people just shocked still when you explain these things to them and what you? Oh yeah, because I mean we're used to like getting paid pennies on a dollar for people listening to our music. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just that's the way it's been since what Napster or LimeWire or iTunes. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many right. like the the value of our music has dropped, but the publishing. And what the copyright has never changed. Yeah. So like kind of understanding that uh, helps you to basically put power back into the indie musician's hands. Because, I mean, the coolest thing I like about Sync is that not only do you not need to be famous to get your music into an Apple commercial, um, but like the other cool thing is that if Apple's doing something that you may not agree with, you can tell a trillion dollar comp company like, nah, you can't use this. Like that's the coolest thing to me. Like obviously most people because the record do that. label is going to be like, no, they're using it. Cause yeah. Like the record label. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like ownership is key for like most things because like it, our music is intellectual property. You see what I'm saying? So like, can't anyone, no one can take that away from you. So like, it's, it's very empowering to like, kind of know like, Hey, when I make this, I can, if I put it, I can exploit it myself instead of letting Spotify do its thing with it. Or like um, a record label, like kind of just put it on a shelf. Like I spent time right. making this. I need to be compensated somehow, or at least know that it's out there working for me. Now, when it, when you're talking about like these properties and a record label put on the shelf, it makes me think about getting involved with, and I've still learned some of the language, but like getting part of like a catalog. So if you're part of, is, am I using the right term? Like a, a publishing a catalog, music library. Yeah. Music library. Is it a piece where you can get quickly lost in that arena as well? Like to where you have to advocate for yourself or what does that look like? Um, it depends. My course kind of talks about it. Like what you, okay. what you do is, um, there's, there's certain things you can do, like na naming your songs something. Like, I got a trailer placement last year, and the name of the song was Fart Gate. I don't know why they picked <laughs> it. And it. It sounds, there's no flatulence in the track at all, but I was just, <laughs> like, weird stuff like that works. Um, <laughs> what else did, What else can you do to kind of get seen? Um, I like to, Fuck. nowadays, I like to attack um, music supervisors both ways. I'll, I'll go through the music library, but I'll also go to like conferences where they're actually like, it's not a cold email anymore. There's a face to the music and you kind of make relationships that way. You see I what see. I'm saying? Okay. Cause now, like if I ask you instead of like, Hey, buy my beats. Like if you just like what music libraries do you use? Because like nine times, you don't know me from Adam. You see what I'm saying? So like, right. if I just ask you where you get your music from, oh, okay, cool. Now I can maybe find a way into that library and then recontact them and be like, Hey, like my stuff's been vetted by the library. It's, it's cool to use. I just put nice. something in there. Hope, hopefully this helps. You know what I'm saying? So I like love that too, you're finding the value by listening to them. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> instead of like, please put me on kind of thing. Yeah. Like, like I know like, that mentality, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help anything. Right. And so if anything, you, you want to approach someone and say, what kind of value can I help you with? Like Absolutely. that's the, it, the, the cool thing and this kind of flipped as far as the mentality like i'm not in the music business anymore i'm in the film business so yeah. like i remember one of your tiktoks talking about that i was like damn yeah that is good it That's like we're we're just on the wallpaper like it sets we set the tone but like they spend so much more of the budget not on us you know what i'm saying so like <laughs> you kind of have to remember that well and it's funny because it's like in a sense 
like even a live concert for an original band, you're there for the music, but typically mm-hmm. it, it's still about the experience. Like it's one part oh, yeah, it's of the production. experience. You're going with the the drinks and the lighting and the and the hotel and the trip with your friends and the dinner before. Like it's all your experience. It's like understanding your role as an artist and what role you play and here applying it to the film industry. Well, that's one thing you have, you know, you seem to emphasize is like you make music for brands, uh, not fans. Yep. And was that just, was that just kind of a culmination? Was that one thought a culmination of this whole journey for you? Yeah. Cause especially as I like talk to other producers and everyone's fighting over the same placement, that's going to get picked up by a label. Like it's great, but like they own your music. Now you can't make any more money off of it. Like mm-hmm. anytime you create something like, if you own it, you can exploit it as many times as you want. I've had certain songs get placed numerous times for different companies because it's they only purchase it for X amount of months on a term. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, I mean, it just makes more sense for me to get paid multiple times for the same work that I've already had. It's Absolutely. almost like a rental property. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, yeah, digital assets, intellectual property, like, it all is into, like, making stuff my, my music serves more of a purpose than just like a six month period when you get released and afterwards it's old news. You know what I'm saying? Like right. the most popular album last year was what Donda or Drake or Drake's album or whatever. No one listens to it as much anymore unless it really touched them. Right. Cause like there's new stuff out. There's new music out like every so two true. weeks. It seems like. Now I'm going to so, be honest. I know it might be unpopular. My son doesn't like this opinion, but I just did not like Donda. I, <laughs> There's, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, There's like several other albums I yeah. love to death and listen to literally probably every day for the last few weeks. But uh, that was not my. Donda wasn't one of them. Yeah, there's a, I, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, I think that it's <laughs> it's interesting because like the way he the way he marketed it was oh, what I loved. That because was like no one could brilliant. stop talking about it. You know what I mean? Like even outside of Crazy Kanye, you also have like. He was basically testing his album. I don't know if you've seen this TikTok. I saw this uh, when the album came out. He was testing his album like a tech company tests a product where like you had these live shows and like he um, he gets reaction from the crowd. Um, he goes back. That's why it didn't release for like a month and a half because like he, I did he'd be doing these listening that. parties and like if people didn't vibe with certain certain verses or whatever he would change it before the next performance that he was doing. It's like, it's the wildest thing. Like it was a tour that with an unreleased album. He did a focus group of an arena. Um, exactly. Damn. But yeah, his marketing behind it was brilliant. The, the production, you know, the house, the, all Mm -hmm. that and the meaning. Yeah. That was honestly, I was more fascinated by that. I think. Um, yeah, the music, and yeah. eh, not so much. I'm, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely had some better musical albums, but totally. Um, I, I totally got off subject on that. <laughs> that just sparked me. I've been thinking so much about Kanye um, and his career, and especially after going after. And I'm sure every listener is tired of me mentioning the documentary, The Genius. Oh, the documentary is very. It's nostalgic for me because I grew up around the same time getting into music as Kanye oh, did. Wow. So like. It, it really touched me. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was almost in tears the whole damn documentary. It's like six hours of me almost in tears. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, it was so well done. And I think as an artist, there's so many things. Like, on a meta level, ph- philosophically, like, what do you want life to look like? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and down to, like, artistry and the reality of, like, he was, there he was, you know, 21 yep. years ago, making beats in a living room. And no one gave a <laughs> shit. About. It's so wild, man. It's so wild. <laughs> and he was going to literally change the face of music. Um, it's, yeah, that's so fascinating. But so, like this intellectual property, when I think about licensing, and even in connection with like the Rich Dad Poor Dad stuff, that's what, as an artist, it seems like we now have an opportunity. You can literally build a house a day, essentially. Like, that can turn you profit. Um, yep. And there, Michael Elsner, he talked about one of the one of his songs where it's like over six years it was a two chord song that took him like 10 15 minutes to write it was just like this he wasn't like you know it's like a legit musical thing he wasn't just messing around but he just put it out there two chords acoustic kind of instrumental and he's like i made twenty thousand dollars off of that it's wild man and it's like that perspective is crazy is there any 
what's like your top right now? What's your top story of like where you've seen that property really yield a return for you? Hmm. I'll give you an interesting one um, because I didn't actually win the placement. Um, I've been working with a music library for about four or five years. And yeah, I'll tell this story because the other one I signed NDAs. I can't talk about it. Um, the Because um, <laughs> sometimes I'll see trailers before they release and stuff like that. And I know the trailers already finished and done, but like, eh, I just don't want to record anything. That I don't, I'll get in trouble for later. Um, but I got offered. Um, okay, so I made a song called Johnny Cider Seed. And um, it was for a, um, it was like some weird like techno trap thing that um, the library just was asking for because they didn't have any in their, in their catalog. And so apparently a rep from Apple came across it and um, thought this was really, really cool. And they put me into a group of composers they were considering for a, uh, the TV show today at Apple. It's like a mini series and uh, I had never I've done feature length films before, but I've never done a TV show as the composer. Like I always like maybe I've gotten placements on TV shows as like the um, like an additional composer, but not never like making the theme, doing the underscoring and stuff like that. And so like this wasn't even like traditional broadcast TV. And um, the. For seven minutes an episode, there's five episodes, so like 40, 40 minutes of like music that you won't even notice they were willing to pay i think like anywhere between 37 to fifty thousand dollars per episode and yeah and so like wow. it was up for negotiation too and so um i'm like oh this is really really cool so they asked for me to send some send some more samples and things of that nature and um they're like we'll let you know in a week and that was the longest week that i've probably ever had and I was trying not to mentally like start spending money that I didn't have or like anything like that. And that, and I think this story helps listeners that are trying to get in the sink because these kinds of opportunities are out there. They really are. And they can disappear within a week. Cause I didn't end up, I think they either they can the, the show. I can't remember or if they can the show, if they went with another composer, but like right. that stuff happens all the time <laughs> uh, just to give you kind of context. But it's, it's, it is really cool when you actually win one. Like a trailer is really cool um, just because like I like making loud, bombastic music. So like that kind of stuff is always fun on the artistic side and to be yeah. able to be part of a like a blockbuster production is really cool. Um, Absolutely. But like you you miss nine, you miss 10 out of 10 of the ones you don't make. But that one that you actually do can like change everything. Hell so yeah. hopefully that that helps or gives a little bit more insight about the industry is that like there's yeah there's a lot of songs out there but if you get the reps in like i have over 800 songs now just out there and so like out of that 800 like one gets placed at least once a month That's so huge. like it's it's great because that that one placement is a couple thousand dollars and i've already made it and that it's it's crazy because most of the songs that i placed i wrote two years ago like the pro- production quality was not there so like I can't wait for like the next placement. That's always the thing good. I'm looking for. Yeah. That's so, huge. Well, it's that's really, really cool. One thing I keep reflect on is like this idea that like we can literally as individuals, we can accomplish anything that we can envision. But so the the biggest challenge is honestly, I think just expanding our mind to what is capable. And I think right. to hear you tell a story like that, a real thing that like another artist hopefully listening to this is like, no shit. I could get yeah. 30 grand for, for this, instead of playing, you know, playing you're for already, same five bucks. And yeah, you're like, already making I, music. You might as well get paid for it. Oh yeah. And it's like, I have a friend um, who's been helping us along where in the live music realm where, you know, it's like, I remember going to shows, you know, in a blizzard to Chicago and you mm-hmm. walk away after a night of playing, you know, and we locked our keys in the van, had AAA come, uh, you know, all that. And they gave me 25 bucks out the door. And I thought I was going to get in a fight with the, the doorman. Like Ooh. I was so angry. Like, I oh, just yeah. like, I cannot believe that. That was one of those moments where we got to learn something. And so it's like all along the way is like, we started learning people making a grand a night and like, well, shit, how do you do that? And then mm-hmm. suddenly like, then I start finding these people who are making, you know, way more than that. I'm like, it starts expanding. And then to hear that, like 
you don't have to be a slave to the road and a slave to like everyone's whims and when they want you to come or even just the weather if you're doing a huge outdoor show and like "Ah, rain (laughs) (laughs) it's true and that's why friends you get rain or shine in your contract but (laughs) but but yeah and that's that's a great point too that's that's huge so i love that i love that story because it does it when i heard that michael elsner story i was like shit 20 grand six years one song just let it keep working for you um and then to hear that that's huge now, when it sounds like you're doing a lot of these productions, doing the film, as are well, are you like creating like? Sorry, I'm forming the question out loud. I do this a lot, so it kind of I stutter. No, you're stuff, good. You're but, good. I I like seeing the gears turn. <laughs> are you sitting down like, you know? Well, here this is probably the best way to. So, like for example, Michael Elsner's process is he gets together with some friends. And they create like a 10 song album under a certain theme. And then they add that to their catalog. It's not anything specific, but it's like a, a feel and a vibe that they're putting together. And it's this thing. Um, but it sounds like some of yours might be more requests. Like I want this particular thing and you're creating for them by request. Uh, are you doing both? What, what does that look like, that creation process? I do both. And I like doing custom stuff because I can get a little more granular. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Creating with a purpose is like the coolest thing to me because like music, music is so subjective that like I might make something cool that I like, but like if I send it to the guy that I'm my client, like, and he hates it, it's just like I wasted four hours for nothing. Right. So like normally I like working, I like working custom stuff because they already have an idea of what they need and it puts me in this creative box and boxes are more, are less limiting than like having all possibilities to me. Because, like, do you have so many options? There's so many harmonies that you can use and stuff like that. If you're put in the box, the, you have to make something out of nothing. And that's, like, right. the most exciting to me. Um, so, like, I like doing custom work. I also do, like, yeah, the album production work as well. Because most of the time, the custom work pays more. But most of the time, what gets placed is the, the, uh, the bulk album with a certain theme. You see okay. what I'm saying? Because a lot of music libraries work in bulk like that. You can't just send them like two songs and be like, hey, let me let me into the library. They like <laughs> dealing in bulk. So like making right. yeah, like an EP or an album size project and then pitching that to different libraries is basically what what I do outside of um um just writing custom work. But because that's how you get in the door. It's almost like a business card. Okay. And then after so you get into like, the oh, library, I see what you do. I like yeah. what you do now. Yeah, they're like, hey, we like this. Um Normally, here's we talk about this in the class too. Normally, what I'll do is I'll send them three songs out of that ten, and if they like them, because it's like the Donda thing, like no one's going to sit back and listen to sixteen songs. Like no one has time for it, right? right. No one sat. Even if you love Kanye, you're not going to sit there with a glass of like Kool Aid or something and listen to the whole project. <laughs> it's, no one has time for it. So I'll send them three songs, okay? And if they like those three, they're like, "Hey, this is really cool." Um, you got any more? I'm like, "Yo, I got ten more in the trunk." You see what I'm oh. saying? And now, so like, it shows ready. the work ethic. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And so when they get me in, now I can fill them up with music. I'm only with maybe, like, four or five different libraries because that's enough <laughs> to try to – because every <laughs> month I try to make a project and give it to one of these libraries because I work mostly with exclusives um, just because, like, you get more bang for your buck from them. Um, so anything you're, – you're not exclusive as an artist. You're exclusive with what you presented to that library, if yep. I hear you correctly. Smart yep. man. So, like, the, the – the, um, what is it called? The uh, not production agreement, the publishing agreement normally lasts for like two years. So if they haven't made any placements with the music I gave them after two years, I can either let that let them keep it in perpetuity for another two years or so. Or I can be like, oh, well, you guys didn't maybe they don't come to you guys for hip hop or something like that. So let me take this out and give it to another library and let them hold it. Um, right. That's completely it's again, it's my property. It's my literal, I'm just allowing for them to try to find publishing opportunities. So it's truly, it's truly like a rental agreement in that regard. Like you're like, Hey, yeah. I'm letting you rent this and it, it should bring a return. If not, I need you to get out. The lease is over. <laughs> yeah. That's it's, cool, it's, man. it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Um, and again, it's, it's just, it beats every alternative to like working with a label, you giving them something, or maybe if you sign, they're like anything you create, like we own now, like that happens. Right. 
which is terrible. So like, and then you're again, you're at the mercy of somebody else. I think that's one thing I'm just not a fan of. Like even now, like when we were working with agents, there's, there's parameters. It's like, you're mm -hmm. an agent within this market. And I didn't learn that. I learned that the hard way as well, but it's, it's like, man, you're, you limit yourself every time you lock yourself down and until you can really trust somebody. <laughs> and even then yeah. they may not have an opportunity you need. Like you said, maybe there's a new thing you're doing and they don't have the means to get it in the right hands, but someone else could. So how yeah. do you, or do you could like, that's the or other you thing could. you can pitch your music too. <laughs> that's true. Um, with, with non-exclusive agreements, you can, you can pitch all day long to different people and everybody can pitch yourself at the same time with exclusives. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll pitch it myself, but like if it's exclusively with that library, I can't cut them out. So I'll, I'll just refer them to them and they can handle the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. That's fair. Um, that makes sense. But I think that the biggest thing that most people should definitely get into when it comes to sync is understanding the legal side first and kind of knowing like what I can, what, how I, can I exploit what I've already made? Cause if you don't exploit it, someone else will. Right. Well, and the reality is, it's probably like, I'm looking at this little hard drive listener can't see it, but the songs the that I have on this on hard drive. Mm -hmm. Right. And I wonder how many musicians, how many musicians have demos they haven't finished or whatever it is. Like I went through and just started compiling all the instrumentals that I just fucked around with one day. And I'm like, with some work, I think this could be useful to somebody, you know, like, yep. and there's gotta be so many people out there. What, a, you know, you've given so many very good practical things. Uh, let's say there's an artist right now. Uh, maybe they just recently had their, their first experience of seeing like the 60-year-old musician who didn't have health insurance and they're like, okay, I need to make a change. Um, where would you encourage them to start? Like what's the first step for them right now? The first step is definitely registering with a PRO. Um, if you don't do that, then when you even, if you get in the sink and you approach a library, if you don't have a PRO number, like they're not going to take you seriously. They're like, bah. and that <laughs> exactly. And that's how you get your royalties. The, the Holy grail. And this is something, um, that I'm, I'm aspiring to do is get a TV theme song because what happens is they pay you up front and it might be a couple thousand, which is great, but the back end royalties, because Ooh. every time that TV show is played on air, you get paid for it. So like, it's like in that the guy that wrote song. the Jeopardy theme or the, uh, the office theme, like those, oh, these guys yeah. are balling out of control. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, they're like, they're cigars with hundred dollar bills at that point. Like, exactly. That's the one theme song for The Office. I My wife is always like, how come you don't skip the intro? I was like, why would I skip the intro? <laughs> it's amazing, like, right? <laughs> I love this intro. It sets the tone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, that's the that's the thing. Like, um, so Any suggestions I, on a PRO? Like, um, I'm with BMI. All... I'm a little, okay. um, uh, what's the word? I'm a little uh, biased because everybody I know, I've known that has worked with ASCAP, they've switched over and it's always a nightmare to switch. So like, okay. and we talk about this also, I, I do a, a, um, a free, like, um, sim not, not a seminar, but like kind of just like a webinar of information on how to get started. So like right. what we talk about first, you got to get with your PRO, understand the legal side of sync so that you kind of know what you're getting into, understanding right. your ownership rights and all that kind of stuff. Then after you sign up with like a BMI and ASCAP, SOCAN, what have you, if you're in Canada, um, then you would, you would, like you were saying, create uh, licensable music that's mm -hmm. sync built, like the arrangements cool, like there's short intros, stinger endings, that kind of stuff. Right. Right. And then you start pitching the libraries. Um, because obviously like if you sent your stuff to a music supervisor, unless they already know you or you have some credits, they're not they may take you seriously, but there's a way bigger right. chance that they, they don't, right? Um, so things of that nature, I would make sure that you have streaming links. Don't send them attachments because it's going straight in the trash. No one has enough server space for all the music that people send them. <laughs> so like, don't do it. Um, what else do you do? So like that process is probably, that takes the longest to try to actually get your foot in the door with a music right. production library. After that, um, they, you accept a publishing agreement, then you just start shoveling a bunch of music in there. And gotcha. while you're doing that, maybe start looking for another library. You see what I'm saying? Yep. When you do it that way, um, you're creating a catalog while you're waiting for someone to give you a chance. And the bigger your catalog gets, the, um, the higher uh, likelihood of you actually getting into a library, because again, they mm -hmm. think in bulk. So if you have 40 tracks, just ready to go, one stop, no samples, none of that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. It's just easy to clear. 
Like, yeah, I'll take that. And I'm not even a library. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so like, it's, it's just, that's, that's the way I try to teach. And then from there, um, you just make music and the publishing or your music library goes, congrats, you got a placement. And they tell you how much it is and how long it's going to take to get paid. That's Pretty much awesome, it, man. That's cool, dude. Well, I love it. I, I love that you're putting in the, the time to actually help educate other people as well. And uh, yeah, it'll be, yeah, I, I'm Here, excited here's for something, people to hear this info. I don't know if you've heard this, but here's just some, some food for thought. Cause I hate, sometimes I'll get comments that talk about like, it has a scarcity mentality behind it. Like, why would you share this if like you're making X, like six figures or whatever? And here's the thing. There's enough bread for everybody to eat when it comes right. to sync licensing. Um, just actually, let me pull out my calculator here. I'm going to do some quick math for everybody in the audience. You can follow along with your calculator. <laughs> there is there is 16, I counted, there's about 16 different streaming services, right? So six, like your Hulu, your Paramount Plus, your Disney Plus, all the pluses, uh, Netflix, whatever. Um, let's just say they come out this year with, I don't know, let's say 15 different TV shows. So 16 times 15, that's 240 shows, yeah. okay? 240 shows, each of them have, let's say, um, normally a, a series goes from what, 10 to 15 episodes, maybe. Right. Um, so let's just say, let's say 12, 12 episodes a piece, 240. That's 200 or 2,880 like episodes. Now in each episode, here's where it gets crazy. <laughs> each episode has anywhere between 30 to 200 cues of music in it. Damn. Like, so like, Let's just let's go with something conservative, like 150. That's 432,000 pieces of music for one season. Right. One season. And then from there, let's not count in the commercials in between each uh, each show. Right. That's true. And you also have like that's just again, one season music evolves and changes. Like while we were in lockdown, like drill music became like a huge popular thing. Right. New York. Right. Drill music. Like now it's not like so now we need new music. You see what I'm saying? So like every year they're they're churning new music out that they need. And like that's just scratching the surface because like there's other ways like we didn't talk about video games or like um, what's another. I got a, a, a Sonic branding gig that paid like three thousand dollars for six seconds of music. And it was that's just like amazing. it was a track that I already made. They just needed it tweaked or whatever. Um, and like because it was behind a video or a moving picture, like it's a sync placement. That's so like amazing. there's there's tons of possibilities out there and i mean brands are willing to pay so like definitely if we can provide a service for them like what's the what's the term as an entrepreneur like you don't go an entrepreneur doesn't run to the gold mine to get the gold he runs and goes buys a bunch of souls you see what i'm saying yep so like obviously there's a huge need here whether you're a content creator or a, a video production company like you guys need music because con content's king music is queen right well, and that's, it, it's a really good perspective of, of how you broke down, like basically getting your shit together. Like you yes. break in the door, it's like, but bro, you got to have your shit together. You, you yeah. need to know how it's working and, and how to provide the right value and, and where they can find it. And the streaming, you had mentioned the, the links, are you using like a SoundCloud link? Do you have your own website? Yeah, that's why I started your... was, was I use SoundCloud for a second, okay. but like what I, after about a year and a half of like getting into the industry, I figured I actually found a pattern. Everyone, all the music supervisors and a lot of the libraries use this thing called Disco. Have you heard of it okay. before? I have not heard of that. Disco AC. I'll, um, I'll give you a link hmm. that you can check it out later. Um, but basically, it helps tremendously with music, music supervisors finding your music. Right. Um, because it, it has all the metadata. When, you send, when I send them my music, it's in a streaming link. They can look at the waveform. They can jump all around if they need to. And then there's this right. button at the top that says save to your own disco because it's hmm. all on the disco server already. So all they do is click a button and now nice. it's in their library and catalog. So like, I don't have to talk to them for another two years, but they still wow. have my music. They can find it. They can, all my contact information is in there. Like it's almost That's like helpful too. Cause I I've done video work in the past too. So I'll go to libraries pulling stuff down yeah. and I'm like, Oh, and so I actually was create. I didn't know this disco thing had worked. I, I would have used it because I was creating my own list of shit where I'm like, oh, I don't need it now, but I bet I'll need it next week, you know, or, you yep. know, <laughs> just. That's exactly what it's for. It's 
built by music supervisors. So like if you send them a link like that, it's like, oh, this person actually knows what they're doing because they use the same stuff. It's like when you find someone that plays the same guitar, it's like, oh, we can speak the same language. You know what right. I'm saying? So it's it's the same thing. And so, um, yeah, it's it's the small things like that that like help up your chances of actually um, getting into the, getting your music into the right hands. Right. Dude, I. I love that. There's, I have so many questions for you, but I think I'm just going to have to go get your, uh, <laughs> get your course. And, um, I, I have a few more questions, uh, yeah, yeah, just shoot. to end it though, going more into the philosophical end. And that's one thing I love in the nuts and bolts. It's all like, a, it seems like a mindset thing for you. Like you, mm-hmm. you have this incredible mindset of what your goals are, what you want your life to look like. And, and so from that perspective, I want to go into the last two questions and it's, it's based off the podcast, live and create. So right now, how would you personally define living a great life? Living a great life to me, because there's always going to life. Okay. So you guys are going to get my personality really, really quickly here. I'm a little bit cynical. And so one of the sayings that I've picked up over the years is life is basically crisis management, right? Like there's always going to be something going on. Right. And so, um, (laughs) my, my, the best ideal lifestyle that I can see for myself is being able to create music and art because I've been doing it since I was a kid. So if I can do that for a living and not have to be um, uh, financially compromised by like supporting my music habit instead of having it be a job, like that's mm. it. I don't have to make a lot. I just need to make sure that like everybody's there's food on the table and I can make my art. That's all I want to do. You know what I mean? And so being able to create um, for a living is the the ultimate goal for me. Um, and that sometimes I get interested in even doing like video production work and stuff like that. But having the option to do that is, I think, the coolest part of the whole process. So um, also as a musician, like practicing, the journey is always more important than the, the end result. So again, yeah. the process, like that's what I'm really enamored with. Yeah, that's huge. The process is what I keep focusing on now because I'm like, there is no there. Like, yeah, it's like what? Because it's always what is it? Uh, Kobe mentality. Like, what's next? Okay, we've gotten here. Like, what now? <laughs> yeah, it's like you got drafted, and everyone else went and got went to party, and he went to the gym. You know, it's yeah. like he understood that and like how, yeah, how inspiring. And I love that thought. I've never heard of someone say it that way that you just shared. Um, instead of supporting my music habit. I'm making a living off my music and it's really in a way it's a dream. It it becomes so compulsive, the music world, because we get so wrapped up our identities, our, our passions, our dreams, all these things, which are real. Right. But yeah, totally. At the end of the day, it can become a compulsive thing. That's simply just a habit and it doesn't make sense anymore Mm -hmm. and it's detrimental. And that's, I love that. How you broke that. I think, I think that was the biggest thing for me like while I was trying to get in the sink was that I realized that um, it almost becomes unhealthy because what happens if you're, if you're a musician, you might have another job. Like I was working at a bank for at least five, six years while I was married. Uh, yeah. When, when I first got married and like, it sucked because I go work there for eight hours and then I maybe have a show or I'm trying to work on music. And then you still got to have family time. You see what I'm saying? And then I'd be up super late and then have to wake up early to go to work again. So like, it's, it's just a lot. (laughs) It really is. So like enable, if I, I was able to get that eight hours back and have that aside for music. Now I have more time for other things. Uh, There's, it's just, it's great because you get your artist. um, What's the word you get your kick by as being an artist fulfilled. So now you have time for other human things, if that makes Absolutely. any sense. That makes a ton of sense. And uh, f- well, for the last question, how would you define creating great things right now? Define, ooh, that's a good question. Um, when it comes to creating good stuff, um, understanding, especially because I'm in sync, like understanding that you, you could make the coolest thing in the world, but like if it doesn't, fit the purpose of what I'm, I'm in a service business when it comes to sync licensing. So my clients, if it doesn't fit the client's need, if it doesn't help tell a story or sell a product, it's not useful for them. So what I try to do when I'm creating is make sure that 
whatever I'm doing, if it's two chords, if it's like 16, if it's this really cool math rock, like complex thing, it needs to tell a story because at the end of the day, that's all art does is it tells an experience. It shares a human experience. So if I can do that orally, if I can do that conceptually, I feel like I'm, I'm doing something that's going to contribute to society as a whole. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's my hugest goal. I love it. That's great. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for making the time for this and thank you for oh, yeah, man. This helping was great. We have to do it again. Like I, I totally feel like you are out there expanding people's minds. You're expanding my mind of what's capable. And I really, I really think it it's making a difference. So let everyone know how they can sign up, uh, check out your course or your, the masterclass thing you were talking about and follow you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know this is going to be probably out in the next couple of weeks. So yes. you can find my information at XJ underscore will, um, the X is silent. Um, and most of the information will be right there. It's, we do free training to help. Basically, we go over a lot of stuff that we talked about today in detail um, in the uh, in the free training course. And then we have a, a, a more um, intricate course that we talk about also that you can find in my LinkedIn bios and stuff like that. Um, it's basically a four-week Indie Sync Blueprint program to help you basically in four weeks have everything you need to really get started in sync licensing. And I'm, I'll be there too. We have like a private Discord and um, you can ask me any questions and yeah. That's awesome. Well, I love it. Thanks again. Awesome. Thank you, Miguel. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.